With its start in carnivals and state fairs, professional wrestling has long been more about the show than actually, you know, wrestling, at least in the traditional Greco-Roman sense you see at the Olympics. Buff men and women in colorful spandex meet in a traditional sporting ring to do anything but play a traditional sport. Playing to the crowd, trash-talking, hitting the referee with a folding chair, wrestling was and remains first and foremost an exhibition, a performance, and usually one where, despite the athletics on display, the winner was predecided. So, therefore, its popularity and its fans' investment have confounded people ever since it reached national prominence in the 80s. It's obviously fake and ridiculous, would go the usual detractor's refrain. Hell, one of its biggest stars, according to his official bio, is an undead, bloodless warrior. But this didn't stop people from developing emotional investments in the narratives and careers of big names like Shawn Michaels, Randy Savage, and Triple H, and paying pay-per-view prices to see how big events like WrestleMania and Royal Rumble would go. The casual viewer may see some over-the-top flamboyant spectacle, but its fans see something worth obsessing, arguing, and fawning over. Considering it's been so popular so long, I'd like to get to the bottom of not only its immediate appeal, but also how it's so successfully endured over the decades. Joining me to discuss his passion for the turnbuckles and tights is Jake Lloyd. Hey, how's it going, Dan? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great, especially because now I get to talk about some pro wrestling. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, in interest of full disclosure, we are recording this at your apartment, and yes. your apartment is quite littered with <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the wrestling I have hall of fame. The the brawlway is, the what, brawlway. I, is what I like the to call brawlway. it. Yeah, my hallway is decked out in uh, all things all things uh, history of WWE. Specifically, there's not a lot of other wrestling there, but uh, yeah, the brawlway. I figured it's a nice tradition. Uh, it's been now two apartments. This is the brawlway <laughs> two point um, you know, there's nothing like bringing a woman home and just her walking through that and being like, oh, okay, I get it. Put yeah. it all on display. Put it all on display right off the bat. I, I commend your forward notion with that. Um, so uh, I take it that because of like some of that memorabilia, you've been to a few wrestling events in your time? Yeah. When I was – my, like, intro to wrestling really stemmed from uh, pretty much my older siblings watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was like a – as much of a wrestling fan as everybody who's a kid is a wrestling fan. And he kind of dumped it fairly quickly. But my sister, who's 10 years my senior, uh, in the 80s and 90s, when I am an adolescent, uh, you know, she's a teenager who is all about the boys. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. she was in love with Bret Hart. Like, she was just, she used to paint her, her fingernails in, like, Bret Hart colors. And, like, and so she was sort of, like, boy crazy over wrestling. And I was obviously into, like, the spectacle and how cool they were and stuff like that. So right. she used to take me to, uh, I'm, I'm from Long Island. She used to take me to Nassau Coliseum, and we used to watch, you know, the house shows that, that they would do. And then into a teenager, I used to go to the Raws and SmackDowns and everything on the island. And I, admittedly, as an adult, I don't go to as many uh, anymore. Life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, life gets in the, the way, and it's 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 not a cheap outing. Uh, right. And also, I think in my old age, as much as I do love it with a passion, I also am just a curmudgeon. It's the same thing. Same reason I don't go to, like concerts anymore. Right. I'm just like, oh god, it's such all that that parking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just such an old yeah. Uh, oh, I want to see what's gonna happen yeah. to the Undertaker, but eight dollar popcorn. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of become me, but. Uh, it, so when you got into it, did you sort of find your way in more uh, from the the show, the spectacle, or did you kind of like begin with an attachment to a wrestler? I I would have to say 
that my earliest memories of wrestling were The Undertaker. Uh, and you, you already brought it up, which is kind of perfect. Because, I mean, in my opinion, and I think you know, it's hard-pressed to ask any wrestling fan um, and say that The Undertaker isn't arguably the greatest character. He's definitely the greatest character in all of wrestling. But also... As a as a man, as a person, he's always you know just he's a a, a locker room leader. He is like a, a godfather amongst all of today's wrestlers. Um, and as a kid, I mean, just how cool is he? You know what I mean? Like he's just so freaking cool. I I was the Undertaker for Halloween as like an eight year old, like that kind of shit. Also, he debuted when I'm seven years old, so like primo age, you know that kind of, that, right, that kind right. of stuff. Now I was still watching even before him, like when I was really young. My I I have I've been told again I don't have a great memory of much, which is a thing that my friends can be shit about. Like how do you not remember this? But (laughs) I'm I've been told that like I used to draw Hulk Hogan as a little kid, and then I would draw certain wrestlers as a. uh, I think maybe the only wrestler who predates Taker for me is probably Jake the Snake Roberts. One being like, oh, it's another guy named Jake, and as a little (laughs) kid, people would call me Jake the Snake. Also, like, come on, he has a freaking snake, for Christ's sakes. Like, right. how cool is that? So I think Jake the Snake and, and The Undertaker are definitely kind of what got me hooked on it, despite the fact that I was just watching it because the siblings were watching it, that that kind of thing. Now, this is something which I think um, is one of the more immediate things that come to people's minds yeah. when they uh, actually start hearing about wrestling from its fans. Sure. Is that... There are these careers, which is, I guess, the, the general terminology for just a wrestler yeah. is going through his stuff his career, as yeah. performing. And how people cite their careers ups and downs because of a big loss or a big win kind of thing. See, I don't – but this is the thing is there – I don't think any wrestling fan thinks that at all. I don't really? – I, I, honestly, at the end of the day, who won and who lost is sort of irrelevant um, because well, I, I mean, I mean, honestly – you know, when I think of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, um, you th- I think of the Montreal Screwjob, which I'm not sure if in your research you know anything about. I, I've not heard about well, this. Well, we're going to talk this? a lot about the Montreal Screwjob here. Great. And I'm also going to suggest a documentary that everybody should watch. Um, but I think of these moments that are sort of like pinnacle moments or, or even exactly that, literal moments. You think of The Undertaker and Mankind or, or Mick Foley. Um, Ma- Ma- Mick Foley the performer portrayed many different characters throughout his career right. one of which was mankind and during during a feud with the undertaker they had the very first hell in a cell match which essentially was a steel cage match they decided to put a top on um and they started the match on the roof of the cage instead of in the ring and to this day it's one of the most incredible things you'll ever see and whenever i get people when i t- when i tell people about like the heart of a performer of a of a, of a pro wrestler I always show them this clip because it, it's kind of horrific, but also it's a testament to these men and, like, their desire to please the fans and, like, what they'll go – how far they'll go for a storyline. In this match, literally, The Undertaker throws mankind off the top of this steel cage, which is I'm, – I'm, no matter what number I'm going to say, it's not going to be big enough. So let's just say it's 500 feet in the air. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and he comes crashing down. And I mean – and. The reaction of the commentators, who are just as much a part of the product as the wrestlers are, just screaming, "Oh my God, he's dead!" Oh, my, I mean, like right. these sorts of things, and and like I don't like who won that match. Who cares who won that match? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's right. those moments. So I think what makes what makes a a wrestler's or a, a sports athlete or a professional athlete or whatever you want to call these sports entertainers. What makes their careers memorable isn't really necessarily their win or loss record. It really is 
the moments that built them. Honestly, some of the greatest wrestlers have the worst win-loss. Shawn Michaels has a terrible win-loss record. Absolutely. Hmm. Yet he he's Mr. WrestleMania. Got he it. has lost more WrestleMania matches than probably won them. I mean, now another wrestling nerd who knows stats is going to be like, that's not true, Jake. But I think don't don't <laughs> don't worry. Uh, the, there will be a, a thriving comment right. section. But uh, but yeah, like he his loss record is probably awful comparatively. But it, it's about the moment. It's about the moments, the performance. It's about you know the the spectacle of any indi- individual moment within that and and a lot of it just comes down to the drama you know right cuz it does seem that uh career and following a wrestler through stuff is a matter of keeping tabs on this you know operatic amount yes. of storylines yes. and um and, and, feuds and and rivalries and all that sort of and, thing and to that extent too not all of wrestling is about the match. I mean, very, you know, like, I mean, with the exception of the pay-per-views, which is like the culmination of storylines, mm-hmm. which those shows are exclusively match, 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 match. If you're watching it weekly on television, you're watching 40% matches, and the rest of it is the storyline in the back of stage, in the ring, the, the, the what they call promos, when it's just a guy out there with a mic. And when you think of Shawn Michaels, again, we've brought him up, the, one of the greatest performers, probably the greatest performer of all time. I mean, the, one of his most famous moments was when he broke from his tag team partner in the uh, in the 80s or 90s. Uh, people are going to yell at me. I can't remember when it was. Um, the famous, um, the barbershop window, they used to, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was a wrestler in the 80s, and he was literally a barber because back in the 80s, everybody had to have a job outside of wrestling. Uh, <laughs> there was a barber, a, a dumpster, you know, a juke to dumpster dresser. He was a garbage man, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, um, he used to do this like little talk show segment, which was like, you know, the barbershop. And it was like a little barbershop set. It's and, very cute. Yeah. And sh- and in this very famous moment, the rockers who were like the ultimate baby faces, baby faces, a good guy, a heel is a bad guy. People that don't know the terms. Uh, I was actually going to, before, yeah. before we get into the, um, the anecdote, I was actually going to ask, right, um, right. again, Going into this, I picked up terms sure. like uh, cutting a promo and yes. heel turn and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It seems real dense. It's, um, it's I, I don't know. Maybe because I've lived in it for so long that I don't think it's very dense. In, in so yeah. much as, like, I don't know if there's the, – the, I don't know if there's, you know, deep levels of intricacies to a heel turn nah. or something. Oh, oh not really. Yeah, but it just does seem that when people are referring to this stuff, right, that it yes. goes very quickly into this kind of established jargon. Yes, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Do you There's... think that's sort of important to know, like, getting into this kind of thing? Um, Well, for one thing, I think a lot of it can be just uh, understood by context. Sure. I'm pretty sure that if I said, like, oh, yeah, he had this big heel turn. Like, I was about to tell you, Shawn Michaels had this big heel turn on his partner. If I say on his partner, you could probably get that. But I don't know how important it is. I'll say this. I'll probably just – I'm probably going to reiterate things if I say them to you. No, no, um, no. That's fine. But also I think I – I think that's true of literally anything. Like anything that you're a fan of. If you're a, right. if you're a sports nerd, if you're a comic book nerd, if you're – like there's going to be terminology in any caveat of pop culture that you're going to – you know. So I don't think it's any more important in wrestling. I definitely think that – uh, wrestling fans enjoy the jargon a lot in the same yeah. way that like hockey fans really enjoy certain ho- hockey jargon. Um, right. I, I guess that was another thing is that, you know, if these are important to know or if right. it's more just like, it's fun. It's for fun. People well, to it's, fun. Talk well, it, like that. it's, it's fun. And it is, yeah, I don't know if it's as important. I mean, if you're watching the product, you're watching the product, sure. and you're going to take it in, and you're going to boo who you want to boo, cheer who you want to cheer. You're going to have the feelings that you're going to feel regardless of what they're telling you. 
Yeah. Um, so it's not super important, but uh, it, it, don't hesitate to ask if I throw something out there. Like, no, 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 not at all. Uh, the the concept of cutting a promo right. to me was fascinating. Oh, it's, it's just like that's a chunk of the show is just someone standing in the ring yelling about something. Yeah, and, well, and so. And setting up another match, like so, I, yeah, why, exactly. So why that would happen. And to reiterate that too, like, um, so here's this is one of the problems with pro wrestling, is and I'm going to use you as the problem if you don't mind. <laughs> I, I, is I, that I've never met a thing that I wasn't happy to be the problem. <laughs> I love that. So a lot of the reasons why I think pro wrestling has a sort of taboo. For people who haven't watched it since they were kids that are roughly our age, I'm sure how old you are, but let's just say 20s, 30s, yep. is that they, in their head, they think of pro wrestling, they think of Hulk Hogan. They think of the ultimate warrior. These sort of like super cartoon, over-the-top characters, and that's still true. There is still a lot of that, but it has become so segmented into every type of character and person you can imagine. And I'm going to... I'm gonna. Uh, uh, mention a, a modern day wrestler by the name of Bray Wyatt is what his his, his ring name is. Mm-hmm. He's a second generation superstar. His father was a, a superstar in the eighties, um, known as IRS because again everybody had to have a second job. He was uh, an actual yes. tax yeah, man. Tax, he was the tax man, IRS. And and his name was Erwin R. Scheister. I R S. That was wrestling in the eighties. Everybody had to have like a name that was a that was sort of a, a second a double entendre, you know. Right. Wasn't it like um a Samoan wrestler, and that was like the first many people had heard of even the country of oh, Samoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. Samoans have a rich history. Like, there's literally one Samoan wrestler in the company right now who isn't a part of the same legendary Anawai Samoan family that, like, The Rock and Yokozuna and all those people are a part of. But, anyways, I, I digress. I, um, uh, Bray Wyatt, I was going to talk about. Right. Bray Wyatt cuts a promo right now that. And, and I'm going to get flack for this um, for people who aren't wrestling fans that will ri- that like and not always it's not always universal every now and then will like rival a f- fucking Heath Ledger Joker performance mm-hmm. um, and, and, and like it's not always that sitting in the ring with a mic yelling like a promo has become significantly more nuanced and that is why I think in the 80s guys like Jake the Snake stood out to me because yeah while in the 80s there were guys like you know Ultimate Warrior who were just like Rah! just like steroided right. screaming there was a guy like jake who was talking like this and he was telling you what's going to happen when we meet you know that kind of right. stuff and he was getting in your head and like that those sort of characters beca- have become a little bit more prevalent um and it, they've introduced like you know more of like the psychological stuff and but again with that same in that same vein there are so many pr- uh, uh, promos nowadays which are just fucking comedy like there are just guys right. come out and it's just hilarious there's like the the John Cena style where he's a very uh, divisive uh, person in wrestling now. A lot of people hate him. A lot of people love him. Um, uh, That's funny because uh, I would say that probably like next to The Rock. Oh, he's, he's the, the most, most famous. Like, generally beloved uh, yeah, outside of not the outside of, of, yes. job of wrestling. Not, yeah, yeah, not in wrestling, though. People hate him in wrestling. Uh, for any particular uh, reason. Is this yeah. like a narrative we'll thing? Get, or? Yeah, we'll, no, okay. we'll, let, we'll get into that. Right. Uh, um, but really quickly, what I was getting at with, with promos is like you have like the sort of like Yo Mama style promos <laughs> that I would say like him and The Rock do where it's all about like, you know, talking shit and making people laugh. Right. Um, and then you have some promos that are just straight up like bizarre. There's two characters in wrestling right now um, who are who call themselves the fashion police. And they're literally these very flamboyant men. One is a male model and the other one is a ballroom dancer who can't dance. Um <laughs> Uh, and the male model isn't that attractive. Uh, and, like, 
they call themselves the fashion police and they go around in like fuzzy what look like stripper police outfits you know uh, yep, handing yep. out handing out uh, um tickets for bad fashion to other wrestlers you know what i mean like it wrestling encompasses so many different things especially now that it's grown and it you know uh, and i feel like when people are like oh yeah a promo is a guy yelling in the ring like what you said like that's one of the things where i think that that the lack of uh, i think understanding of just how everything pro wrestling has become right. is sort of why it has such a bad stigma is i think people they pigeonhole it as like it's this one thing and now it's not to say that that one thing isn't in pro wrestling because it definitely is and it always will be but as a product it's gotten so wide and so broad and there's something for everybody you know there's definitely i mean even nowadays there's there's parts of wrestling that i'm like okay this is here and i'm not sure i'm into this but i'll you know the things that i like are coming up or that sort of thing you know it's it's a variety show now aside from uh the you know natural nostalgia element where like everyone always loves the thing when they first got into it and think that that's its golden era best it ever was yeah uh, it sounds like you uh, think that kind of wrestling has just only been improving. Oh, so this is my th- right, so this is my take on in its most simplest terms why I think I love wrestling so much is that well one I don't think there's anything in the world like pro wrestling. I think you, there is no other art form that is in any way like pro wrestling. I mean, think about at its core what pro wrestling is. It's live theater in the round with live stunts done by its primary cast of actors, often impromptu, often on the spot. And since it's in the round, those stunts have to sell in the round, not like in a movie or a TV show where they can shoot an angle. Not to mention, every time you go, it's a different show. Like, imagine, like, the most popular... uh, What's the most popular show on Broadway right now? Probably... uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. What if Hamilton had to rewrite the script every single time they went out there? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Just every founding father had a different hip-hop musical. Seriously. I mean, and it's a show... Not to mention, it's a story that's been going on for decades. And it's consistently... It never... There is no... People say WrestleMania is the season finale. But guess what? Every Sunday that WrestleMania happens, Monday night, the next night is Monday Night Raw, and the story continues. And it will always, always continue. And so uh, it, it's so interesting. And also, the, the, so the term kayfabe. Have you learned about the term kayfabe? I have not heard okay, the term Okay, so again, back into our terminology. Kayfabe yeah. is essentially the the, the, the storyline in wrestling. That That's the, the fake, you know, in... If you watch The Walking Dead, Rick Grimes is kayfabe, and the actor who plays him is reality. Like, it, I'm trying to translate. Right? Kayfabe it, is it. the story. Okay. Pro wrestling is the only art form where that line, they specifically blur it on purpose. So there are instances. So let's talk about this. I talked a little bit about the, the, the Montreal screw job yes. before when I mentioned Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Arguably one of the most fascinating things that ever happened in pro wrestling and uh, uh, I highly suggest everybody watch the documentary Wrestling with Shadows. It's a documentary about Bret Hart, and it it didn't set out to cover this event. It accidentally covered this event, and mm-hmm. it's fascinating. 1993, if I'm not mistaken, is a year, and WWE, or F at the time, Vince McMahon's company, which is the, the global icon company, is at war with WCW, which is the Ted Turner you know, it was this new product that came out that started to rival it by becoming a little bit more edgy and becoming a little bit more real uh-huh. when, when WWE was still WWF at the time was still doing like Doink the Clown and these sort of very cartoony <laughs> like I said, everybody had a job, that yep. sort of stuff. 
when that was happening, WCW was having characters that were just their names. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. They were doing the NWO. They turned Hulk Hogan heel. Do you know I mean like they did things that were way more edgy? It was becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more the trends of the time. Uh, at that time, uh, Bret Hart was offered money to jump ship and go to WCW, and it was money that he simply could not turn down. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and he even Vince and he Bret Hart was a WWE guy through and through. Uh, he was a Vince guy. They've, you know, his, his father, his whole entire family came through, you know, that company. They had a great relationship and he knew he was going to go. And Vince said, you know what? I hate to lose you, but do what's best for you and your family. You know, whatever. Brett was supposed to lose. He was the champion at the time. He was supposed to lose the championship to Shawn Michaels that night. Um, it was in his hometown, Montreal. Well, you know, he's Canadian hometown, uh, roughly hometown. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and technically another term, they call it doing business. If you're leaving a company... You do business. You drop the title to the guy who's probably going to be the next top guy when you leave. Brett, admittedly stubborn, as much as I'm a pro-Brett guy in this instance, Brett's stubborn. Did not want to drop the title. Um, he was like, let me retain. At, it was a pay-per-view, SummerSlam. or uh, Shit, Survivor Series. Didn't want to drop the title at the pay-per-view. He's like, let me drop it the next night on Raw. Like, You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. want to. Like, and he didn't He didn't want that to happen. Vincent, so there was some creative problems. Um so literally, to long story short, this Vince comes out during the match, and at this point, the people know that Vince owns the company, but he's still just a commentator in kayfabe. Okay, okay. And, yeah, and, yeah, you know, Vince comes out mid-match, and the the way that it was supposed to end was uh, Bret Hart has this move called the Sharpshooter, which is the submission move where he ties the guy's legs up and, and then sits down back, and it's this very good, wrenching looking move. It looks painful. It was set up so that uh, Sean puts. V- Brett in the in his own move in the sharpshooter, and Brett is going to reverse it and put it on him. The second Sean puts Brett in the move, Ref calls for the bell. Nothing ha- he didn't do anything, and they were like, "Oh, Brett, submit!" And the entire audience knows that was weird. What just happened? Because they both kind of continued like the match was still going on, right? And so essentially, Brett didn't want to do business, so they did business for him. They just made it seem like he submit, and this I think is where the line began to blur. And I think the fans and, – and on a WWE pay-per-view, Brett gets up. He spits in Vince McMahon's face and in, uh, in like, air writing. I don't know how to do this for the podcast. It's just like <laughs> he wrote out letters in the air. He wrote WCW in big letters, like, in the air on WWE programming uh, as, as if to say, fuck this company. Fuck what just happened. You guys got – can I say fuck on your podcast? Yeah, sure. Go okay, for it. good. Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing. Is that was an unfortunate event for wrestling, but simultaneously it was fascinating. And ever since then, Vince is not a dumb man. Vince realized that that garnished a lot of attention and that that sort of thing happening live on air began that sort of anything can happen. And ever since then, they've really taken things that have happened in real life that the audience knows about and have used it in storyline. So when people have have problems in real life, guess what? You guys are going to work an angle together now on TV. Mm-hmm. And so that also comes with we talked about like wrestling growing up. It's the the world has changed because of the internet. Back sure. in the '80s, I, we didn't know anything about Hulk Hogan's real life, about Jake Snake's real life. You know, we didn't know this kind of shit. Right. Nowadays, we know everything there is to know about every wrestler. So for a guy to get out there and then be a character. And then try to get over – getting over is essentially making whatever you're doing work. 
Some things don't get over. Some angles or characters or gimmicks, they just fail, and the mm-hmm. fans don't get Sometimes they work. To get out there and get over is so much harder nowadays because you have to present this thing that is so fantastical sometimes while, meanwhile, we know everything about your actual life because of the Internet. Right. One of the things which I saw that is uh, seemingly a recent development, which was uh, John Cena, again, to bring him up, Yeah. Uh, proposed – in the yes. middle of the ring? Yeah. He real-life real life proposed at WrestleMania. People hated it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, th- that, that's got real heat. That, that seems incredible to me that, um, y- you know, one of the things that uh, I am curious about with guys like that. Yeah. And, you know, certainly that there are gradations of fame well beneath John Cena. And, of course. You know, he's a bit of an exception to a lot of these things. Um, is that does it seem to be... I don't know, this is like not just blurring of the fourth wall yeah. uh, that, you know, when Vince McMahon struts out into the center of sure. the stage, he is still a CEO of a company. Yes, but um, but he's also playing the character of Vince McMahon. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. But um, And I sort of I get that, right. the blurring the fourth. This seems to be almost more the blurring of a like, public and private. Yes, okay, well, and here's the thing. So with that said, uh, that plays into what I was talking about, whereas – that is just going to be certain people, certain characters, mm-hmm. because John okay. Cena has become so public that you can't put him on TV and not acknowledge that he was on Regis and Kathy Lee that morning. Ah, uh, all right. Do you know all what right. I mean? So there's, so yeah, there's definitely certain people, and there's also not to mention that the woman who he proposed to, uh, her name on wrestling is Nikki Bella. They have a reality show. She, her and her twin sister have a reality show now, and so there's sort of that, like, oh, okay, well, that's selling for this these characters and these specific people in the company. So let's push that and give that, you know, sure. So there's, there is that, um, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that blurring of reality and, and blurring. And again, that's partly, uh, partly why some of it's really fascinating because, uh, so right I'm going to give you some more terminology. Sure. Uh, so wrestling fans generally, and this just comes from old vaudeville and old ma- magic shows and so, you mm-hmm. know, sort of stuff. They're called marks. Like a mark is somebody, you know, you get that. So in the uh, – and I guess – I want to say it was coined in the 80s or 90s, probably the 90s when the internet really started taking off and there was like dirt sheets and things that you can go online and you can sure. read about people. The term smarks was coined, like smart marks, smarks. Uh, okay. And it's also sort of like it's not a good thing. Like you don't want to be a smart. A smart is like a guy who th- – I'm a total smart. A guy who thinks he knows everything, you know? Right, um, right, right. So like the smarks – sort of hate that kind of shit because they feel like, oh, they know what the company's trying to do. And the smarks are generally people who hate John Cena. Um, so, okay. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about about another thing that's fascinating about pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I, that is the audience. All right? Okay, yes. Again, at the end of the day, pro wrestling is just a television show. And I have to – I can't reiterate this enough to people who don't understand. It's just like The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's just like – Whatever you're watching now, uh, it's just like Breaking Bad. It's just a TV show with writers. It's a TV show about this world in where there is this sport in which people compete for these championships and sometimes for personal reasons, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like any TV show, there's an abundance of writers who are working to tell stories that, by the way, sometimes they have to change on a whim. Because in an actual competitive wrestling match where there is an abundance of danger, sometimes people get hurt. Sometimes something happens where the audience will react in a way that they didn't expect. Mm-hmm. What if in every week in The Walking Dead, if a character 
you know, die that nobody wanted to die, and you just heard a world of boos. Like, what would the writers do in that instance if uh, you could hear the audience? You mean Insta Twitter? Uh, sure, I'm sure yeah. that everyone. Oh would my god, that's have their perfect. Brain explode. That's yeah. perfect. You're exactly right. Wrestling is live Twitter. <laughs> it's like that's. I never thought about that. So the audience plays such a large role in wrestling because they write something hoping you're going to react away. And sometimes right. you don't react that way. John Cena started getting boos because the Smarks were sick of him. Nothing. He didn't change. He was always. He has a nickname, Super Cena. He's. I don't. I don't believe this, but he is pretty much um, known as being a bad wrestler when it comes to the actual technical elements of being in the ring and oh, telling okay. a story. Yeah, sure. Um, John Cena is not an exceptional wrestler by any means, but he's better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. He puts on fairly good matches depending on the person he's in there with. Mm -hmm. But he's not the, like, high flyer, super innovative. I, I will give him this. He's always trying to change something up. He's always trying to show something new. But he has what – and even he jokes about this, what he calls the five moves of doom. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, and, and, and because of that, the Smarks and the, you know, the, quote, true wrestling fans hate him because of it because he's – He's being shoved down our throats, is what mm -hmm. they say. Here's the thing. John Cena is a merchandise machine. They make more money on John Cena merchandise than they probably do on tickets every week. Uh, he's, he's never going to turn heel because he make, he's the world's largest make-a-wish grantor. I've heard, I, I saw that. Yeah. That was incredible. It's something yeah. like he is like number he's, one in it, but you know, like number two is, has like a quarter yes, of yeah, he's, his make-a-wish. Uh, yeah, I, make I want to say he's over... 500 or something like that and yeah. i think the person who stood it second to him is at like 200 right yeah something ridiculous. yeah it's insane yeah. so he's never gonna turn heel get over it fans but with that said the audience is such an incredible factor because they are so much part of the show mm -hmm. um they you know their reaction dictates things sometimes during a match you know do you know how a match works generally like it like do you, like do you know how a match is made from the second the bell rings the second ends. Do you, do you know? Do you know anything about like how it's made? Do you, are you interested? You wanna, I don't want to um, get too like preachy, but I mean, I don't really have that firm of an, right. an understanding, except for the fact that like it, it would follow a narrative arc. Sure, of course. Yeah. And that, the best matches tell a great story, regardless of what happened before it. Right. So the best matches, you don't even need the build up, but the build up makes a good match great. You know. Sure. And so every match has a producer, okay, and it's a guy in the back, you know. In the ref's ear, usually you'll notice the refs all wear earpieces, not to destroy the illusion or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no. so, and certain matches will have specific spots. A spot is just a, a, a portion of a match. Usually, if it's like a really big, a big spot, like something that's going to be rather very dangerous, then they'll think about that. Or something that's very intricate, they'll plan it out beforehand. Sure. Usually, the finish of a match is kind of a, a pre-plan, and they don't rehearse it necessarily. But it's more about they discuss it and they figure out. For the most part. The match is just made up on the fly, usually. And usually there's one of the two guys in the ring is what's called the ring general, and he's usually running the show. And if neither, the ref is usually running the show. It'll tell them to slow down, to speed up, to go into this, to go into that, or, you know, however. Yeah. And a lot of it is all based on the audience. What's the audience feeling? Are they into it? If they're not into it, we need to ramp it up. Are they too into it? Do we need to destroy it? Do we need, are they getting too much behind the good guy? Do we need to rip some of that hope away from them? Let's right, slow right. it down. You know, like... And the audience is – it's such this incredible organic thing that I i don't know anything else that's like it. The only thing I can equate it to is stand-up comedy. Um, mm -hmm. I was a stand-up for eight years. I always 
kind of in the back of my mind thought about wrestling when I was on stage. The difference is, is I never want them to boo me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right, right. but as you know, but as a wrestler, like garnishing that reaction, whatever the reaction is, the worst thing that you can hear as a wrestler is nothing. You want them to either be booing or cheering or whatever, or both. Cause again, some people like John Cena are going to garnish both reactions. Sure. Um, if it's silent, you're not doing a good job, you know, and the worst thing that can happen is silence is people on their phones is people kind of meandering is people going to the bathroom. That's like the worst thing of it, you know? Right. But anyways, I don't know I'm off on these tangents. I, uh, no, I forgot no, how I started fine. on this whole thing about no, I, just I, all of that is interesting just because the way that you've kind of described it is that, yes, perhaps like the individual performance yes. uh, element to it is akin to stand up comedy. Yeah. But it seems that. Everyone, like, all right. Do you do you watch other sports? Um, I'm a hockey fan. Okay, uh, and, and and I like other sports. Like, I'll go to anything, but I don't. I just sure. a lot of it's time. I used to be a big baseball fan. I don't really watch baseball anymore. Right. I don't watch football. Uh, you'll TV. have to excuse. I'm not the biggest hockey fan. So Fair. That's there, fine. there might be some stuff about in regards to this that I don't know. But sure, sure. Just to take the what I think are probably like the biggest sports stories out there sure. you know like the whole thing with the nfl and concussions and yes. tom brady deflate game sure absolutely all that stuff that is fans yeah having an opinion about the organization right and in that they, they will blame the chairman roger goodell right sure for how things are going sure they're firmly aware they have their conspiracies about why sure, tom sure, brady sure. is being punished right and it seems that wrestling really figured that out first. Sure. And, and can I can I go can I can I sideline that for a different analogy or a different thing? Yeah, sure, sure. And this is again the problem. You're once again comparing it to a sport. Instead, I would say, you know how the fans can't stand that Snyder ruined the DC movies <laughs> or, that, or that sort <laughs> right, of thing, obviously right. like that sort of thing. Like it's cause again, it's, it's about the creative control of it. And then, yeah, you, you know, you're probably right though. Like they definitely tapped into the like, Oh, there are strings being pulled here. But in, in the wrestling world, it's more about like, Oh, what wrestler is getting a push that we don't want to get a push. Cause Got again, it. the wrestling fans, they know it's a TV show. So they play on that sort of, I mean, heck, uh, let's talk about a guy, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is a wrestler who should have never been a wrestler, mm -hmm. um, according to, like, what WWE considers a wrestler. He's undersized. He's small. He worked in the independents, traveling the world for years, but was never, like, the WWE guy. When he finally came to WWE, the fans got behind him in a huge way. He was one of those guys who puts everything in a match. He mm -hmm. leaves every ounce of himself out there to entertain you. And the things he does are incredible. His actual athletic acumen is fantastic. The way he strikes, everything about what he does enables a guy like me in his 30s who's been watching since as a child to suspend disbelief for just a moment and go, oh, my God, this is incredible. He's going to beat this guy. Right. That, you know what I mean? Like, And that's what it's about. At the end of the day, if you can achieve that suspension of disbelief even for a moment, just like TV show, you know zombies don't exist. Right. But in that moment when they're running down after the characters in Walking Dead and you think someone's going to die, if you can get in the edge of your seat and you go, oh, my God, what happens? That's – it's no different. It's that same kind of feeling. Um, Daniel Bryan got over big with the audience and never got that push. He never got that sort of like, oh, this guy should be in the main event. This, you know, And it was all because he was too small. He wasn't mm – -hmm. you know, they wanted to give it to the bigger guy. You know, like that's the spot. So what did WWE do because they're fucking brilliant? They allowed him to just 
put that out there. Um, right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, hey, we and so that made, and you know what? I'm gonna predate this. I, I'm talking about the wrong guy, Daniel Bryan. I love him to death. He's exceptional. What we really should talk about is CM Punk. CM Punk, who you, I'm sure you probably yes. know just from in the world because he ended up leaving and going to MMA. CM Punk, before Daniel Bryan came along, CM Punk was that guy who was a main eventer who was not getting the main events that he needed. They allowed him to just go out and what's now – and again, this is what we're talking about, that blurring of the lines. Well, you're right. right. You're right. It is the WWE and, and Vince specifically probably caught on to the fact that fans love that behind-the-scenes drama. They gave him a live mic. On Monday Night Raw one night, and now what's called the pipe bomb. He called it the pipe bomb, like the pipe bomb promo. I have a picture of it in the brawl way. <laughs> he comes out and he sits on the the you know the entrance ramp, in Indian you know cross legged, uh, and he just says everything that's on his mind, real life. No, doesn't hold back. He mentions names that they're not supposed to mention on air. He goes so far to the point that eventually they just cut his mic off. Now they gave him permission to go do this. This took CM Punk from a guy that the fans liked to the biggest name in the company in an instant. It was incredible. I'll never forget, I was actually in Brazil visiting a friend of mine when it happened. A friend of mine who doesn't get pro wrestling. Okay, he doesn't understand right. it at all. We watched that episode of Raw, and just coincidentally, he got to watch that happen with me live. And he, based on my reactions of it, he was fascinating. <laughs> Here's a guy who never watched it before, who always thought it was stupid and silly, and he was just like, "Oh my god." You know, like that it, it, he's like, "Wait, what's happening? Is he not supposed to do this?" Like, so you're right. totally right. And that's and again, I think we're harp I'm 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 harping on that sort of kayfabe thing because I think that, I'm sorry, that that blurring the lines of kayfabe because yeah. I think that's what fascinates me so much. One of the things that fascinates me so much, but it is just a facet of pro wrestling. There is plenty of pro wrestling that is just incredible stories told certainly. You know, that but you know, that is I think a bit of from from my perspective sure. and uh, from looking at this, what makes wrestling sort of hard to understand? Yeah, from the the from from a distance. Sure, um, it's because, complicated. Yeah, it, it's it, very complicated. I mean, it seems to have the sort of ongoing, never-ending uh, narrative drama forever, like a soap opera. Sure, um, but that also contains this you know inherent behind-the-scenes knowledge and corporate knowledge and. I, I, you know, and the the thing is, is that with a lot of other sports, and I know you said it's not a sport, it's sure. more like movies. Yeah. Um, but this can even be said about movies as well, is that a lot of times people are cited as being cynical yes. when this kind of stuff comes up. You know, sure. it's like, oh, uh, DC thinks that just right. by making Superman really moody, that right. they're making a cynical ploy. Yeah, they're for... total smarks. <laughs> right. And, you know, that... So, but wrestling seems to have worked that in, and that becomes a real question of just appreciating reality for what it is. Right. Like, sure, because like, is this is there a compulsion amongst smarks or marks or anyone to kind of really try to figure out where does anything begin and end? And that and uh, that you're that's it. You're I mean, you've hit the nail on the head as far as. There are times, again, I've been watching for a long time, I can almost nine times out of tell, nine times out of tell? That's a thing. Nine <laughs> times out of ten tell when something is a storyline-driven spot. Every now and then, something will happen at the end of a show or something happened like a, an injury where I'm like, shit, did that – is he okay? Is this real? Like, And every now and then when that happens, you're – 
Oh, it's fascinating. Right. It's fascinating. Now, I'm not saying I, you watch it for those moments, because for for as many Montreal screw jobs and as many pipe bombs, as many of those fun kayfabe blur, blurry line kind of things happen, there are just as many beautifully done stories where two characters, completely fictional, have this tale that is gripping and captivating, or, or a character who's just unique and, 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 and enigmatic. You just die to see what they can do. And, and, and um, there's plenty of that sort of stuff. And you know what's something we haven't even touched upon at all whatsoever is I've harped on the story. I've harped on that stuff. Like, I, I get a lot of flack for this. I know, Will, I firmly believe these are the greatest athletes in the world. These, I mean, the things that they're doing in between these, little, these ropes, you know, or on top of, around these ropes are fascinating. Um, the amount of athleticism and the amount of risk involved in everything that they do is mind-boggling. Uh, uh, things that you will see at Cirque du Soleil, things right. that you know I mean, like the types of things that we see, all crafted within a story in some way. And uh, uh, to go back briefly about what you were just saying about, like, oh, it might be daunting, or it might be like you know trying to figure it all out. Uh, I'll, I'll get a little personal here with you. I just recently met a woman. That I, Congratulations. I fell madly in love with. And it was a very abrupt band-aid ripoff. By the way, I'm a wrestling fan. Here's the Broadway. This Sunday is a pay-per-view. Me and my best friend Paul, every every month we watch the pay-per-views. Uh-huh. Why don't you sit with us and find out whether or not you're going to be able to put up with this for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Knows nothing. She's literally never watched wrestling a day in her life. She doesn't know names that other people know. She's that detached from it. She sat down and she watched um, NXT. NXT, without giving you too much backstory, is WWE's, like, developmental. Again, if we want to equate this to a sport, it's the minor leagues. Got it. Okay? And it's it's available only on the WWE Network, which we should also put a pin in and come back to because they're revolutionizing the way media is delivered, in my opinion. So it's you, you can't see it on TV. You can only watch it on the network. And it's instantaneously fantastic. She watched this most recent uh, WWE NXT takeover, wherever it was, Chicago, wherever it was. And she was enthralled. Abs- and it was sincere. It wasn't that like, oh, I need to please my new hubby kind of thing. Like, right. she was legitimately edge of her seat between and, – and that show is strictly wrestling. There's not a lot of storyline building up that. That's strictly like, here's a great match from bell to bell. Hard-hitting. They sell everything. Selling is another term that I've been used. I'm sure that's self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 Um, make it – like, make commit it to it. Yeah, commit. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. commit. Um, they sell incredibly. The drama, uh, the what makes a lot of wrestling matches really fantastic are false finishes. Um, mm, and, mm-hmm. and this does come from knowing a little bit, for example, like when you know a certain wrestler's finisher move and you know they're about to hit it and then something happens. You get, the, oh, oh, you know, you think right. it's going to end. Or when somebody kicks out of a finisher and you're like, oh, no, like the false finish is a term that, you know. She never watched any of it, and she immediately got it. And, yeah, she did have me and Paul in her ear saying, like, okay, this guy just came from Japan, and he was really big overseas, and he's never even blah, blah, blah. You know, there's there's definitely right. some of that. There's definitely a little bit of, like, oh, this guy was brought over from the independence, and it's unfortunate because he was going to be a big star, but he immediately got injured. Mm-hmm. So he's been on the shelf for a year, and now he's finally getting the shot he should have got a year ago. So there's definitely a little bit of that, but it doesn't take much. And also, who's – I don't think a lot of people are just watching wrestling without somebody introducing them to it anyway. That's fair. So, so I feel like you're going to get that a little bit, which I wish wasn't the case. I wish some people would just give it a shot. Right. But also, you might be right. That's where it becomes daunting. You might – and I feel like WWE specifically, they cater to the, the casual viewer a lot. 
they do a lot of recapping, which a guy like me who's been watching it, I actually can't stand. I mean, Monday Night Raw is three hours long. And at least an Jesus, hour, at it least, is? Well, it's two hours of television time, three hours on TV. So you mean oh, like, yeah, oh, okay. you know what I mean? Got like it's, it. it's yeah, three yeah. hours, you know, with commercials. It's right, two hours. right, right, right. And, and, and at least one third of that is all recaps and, and like mm-hmm. replaying what happened either last week or previously on that show, which kind of drives me crazy. I get why they do it because they're still catering to the casual viewer. Um, again, here, I'm a smart. I, I think that's why they do it. You know, see, see what I mean? Right. This is what I'm talking about. We're all the worst. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, they do cater that, so it's not impossible just to start watching. But it, it, there is, it doesn't take much to get invested, I think, and especially the modern product. And you said earlier, and I didn't answer the question uh, about whether wrestling has only gotten better. Um, I'm going to say that it's consistently been a roller coaster because at any given show, there is so many different types of wrestling matches and different types of characters. There's going to be the slow, big, this is a Goliath versus a Goliath brawling kind of match. And those never really appealed to me. I was always into the small little technical guys. But then also there's science fiction. There's guys like The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt who create, who can manipulate things and who, you know, I mean, like, for Christ's right. sakes, The Undertaker, who's the greatest wrestler, the greatest store, uh, character in all of wrestling history, was a goddamn zombie who can control electricity and lightning. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. But there are stories like that, and then there are then there are just the like, oh, here's just two technical guys who are gonna just beat the shit out of each other for a little while and put on a real clinical like like you said Greco Roman style of match. And then there's the high flyers. Mm-hmm. So throughout the years, some elements of that have excelled while others really really fell flat. Got it. And then you know I think right now wrestling is the best it has ever been. Any given show, and I, and I know we've been talking primarily about WWE because that's the Goliath. Sure. There are other companies out there, TNA, which is not as not as good. There's other companies overseas, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's Ring of Honor, which is sexual. Across the board, right now, wrestling is better than it's ever been on any given show, any given night, any given live event. And the reason for that is because I think everybody who's a wrestler right now Who's in their prime grew up watching wrestling, whereas that wasn't. Ah, the, that, all right, that that's that, a fair point. That's that an interesting point. Wasn't actually. the case in the eighties, right? In the eighties and nineties, they just went out to the local bodybuilding place. I mean, for Christ's sakes, like uh, the Big Show, a guy who uh, Paul White, who's the greatest big wrestler of all time. He's a legit giant. He was snatched out of a, out of a by Hulk Hogan out of a friggin' car dealership. He was selling used cars. <laughs> And Hogan met him in Tampa or Florida, wherever he's from. Was like, right. "Have you ever been? A, you ever tried wrestling? You're huge." You're, and he was like, "Yeah, I played like he was a, 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 a basketball player and stuff like that." So like back in the day, they would just pluck wrestlers out of their because they were spectacles. It was about size, right? Nowadays, wrestlers they've spent their entire lives watching wrestling. They've spent they've cra- they've learned how to craft stories. They've learned from a, a wellspring of entertainers who come before them. They've traveled the world, some of them. Some of them now have been built by the WWE machine, which is the Performance Center and NXT in Florida, where they've just they've gotten opportunities to craft characters and to learn the craft without uh, with the absolute best possible people and the best possible, you know, uh, uh, tools at their disposal. So I think yeah, I think wrestling is as best now as it's ever been. Hands out. And people romanticize eras, they're wrong. Right. <laughs> this is the best it's ever been. Yeah, because I, I think that the immediate image that is conjured up with wrestling is, of course, its most famous stars, which would undoubtedly be Hulk Hogan yes. and The Rock. Yeah. Um, but also the rather neon flamboyance exactly. of the yep. 80s and early Absolutely. 90s. Um, Absolutely. Of course, wrestling has been going, I mean, you know, I mean, hitting 
hitting uh, us in right in the age feels. Yeah. Is that 1992 was like a pretty long time ago at right. this point, right. even though yeah. I still remember it vividly. And wrestling has been going on con- continually since. Now, I mean, it, I mean, you know, a lot longer than that, right? I mean, the, no, 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 the no, no, belts no. that we have, like the, the WWE Championship belt has been in existence for, I want to say that was the original, honestly, now the nerd's going to yell at me, but I want to say like, early 1900 like i think the one of the old like wwwf belts was created at some point from a right. previous belt that was 1950 40 30. i mean like yeah no i i, I looked into like hat pin marys oh god yeah there you go yeah yeah so it's I been just, going on forever I, I just mean like for us yeah and, like, sure the, sure the neon yeah, kind of you're thing right. um sports entertainment right as it would be called sports entertainment yeah um that was a long time ago at this point sure. and it's been going on ever since it does seem tough Sure. To, to keep it compelling. Oh, absolutely. And is that just sort of, I don't know, a, a thing where, like, you know, again, just using sports because these are franchises which have been going on for a very right. long time. You know, like, you would say that um, uh, the the Red Wings weren't sure. good during, yeah. like, this, sure. this era or something like that. Yeah. Do you find wrestling fits into sort of eras like that? Well, they, I, I don't need to do it because they do it themselves. Oh, okay. Like, specifically, <laughs> I have known. specifically yeah. WWE, they're, they're very, because again, they're all about the branding. Right. So, you know, there was um, the rock and wrestling connection of the early 1980s, which was like Hulk Hogan, Captain Lou Albano, sure. and like that whole like Ultimate Warrior. And then there was the next or the new generation, which was the Bret Hart and the Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. and Diesel and, and Razor Ramon. That was like when WWE Raw started, which, by the way, you mentioned earlier about like, oh, it's been going on forever. Like they keep touting every year like, or every week. You'll hear uh, Michael Cole and the commentators spout out Monday Night Raw, the longest running episodic television show in history, which is technically true. With some caveats, um, but right. yeah, but so that was like the next generation of the new generation. And then after that came the Attitude Era. That was when in the '90s when wrestling. That was where the Rock and Stone Cold came from, and that was where the lines would be blurred of like, "What's a good guy?" Right. And we started like the they started fans started cheering the heels and started booing the baby faces because they didn't want that like eat your vegetables say your prayers guy. They wanted the sort of like screw your boss fingers up. Let's grab some beers and rock and roll. And they wanted those characters. They wanted the Rock telling people he was gonna turn stuff sideways and shove it up their candy asses and stuff like that. Right. And that that was both beneficial and detrimental to the industry because I, in my opinion, and again, people are like, "Oh, that era was the golden era of wrestling." No, I've gone back and I've tried to rewatch Monday Night Raws from that era. The wrestling matches were awful, <laughs> awful. They were terrible. There were some really good stories and the characters were great, but God, on any given night, the main event was terrible. But that was the attitude era, and that gave birth to sort of like the extreme ECW and, and Paul Heyman. Who again? WWE would eventually buy. Um, ECW was all about like the blood and like we're gonna set shit on fire. And, and I kind of personally was never into that stuff. Like one of the reasons why I like wrestling is because they have to get through this without trying to kill each other. Like I want them to go home, shower, hug their wife and kids, right. and then come back the next night and do it all again for me. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't like. So I never really bought into like the hyper violence. Do I enjoy a little bit of blood in the match every now and then because it helps tell a story? Hell's yeah. Do I need it every single night? Hell no. And so that was the Attitude Era. That it gave us that. And then after that was sort of like uh, uh, the Ruthless Aggression Era, they called it. That was the birth of John Cena. And that was when Triple H came to prominence post 
Arrowtude era when he became like the game, you know, mm-hmm. his mod- his current character. And then we got, we went through the kind of what I'm going to call the unfortunate reality era, which some people are calling, which is sort of now blowing the lines of what this is, where it's kind of what you talked about, where they were like, this is, you know, it's a, it's a reality TV show now. And, like, that was short-lived. I don't think they really hung on to that name either, but that was I remember that was what Triple H was trying to call it for a while. And so, yeah, I can tell you the pros and cons of each one of those eras. But again, like I said, the show is so broad as far as the different types of characters and matches within the product at any given point that some of them were better for others than other, you know, than other times. Uh-huh. With that said, I think that if you sit down any – and you don't have to. On the WWE Network, you can watch shows like Table for Three where they just take three old legends. They sit them down. They just let them you know, talk shit about a time you – know, a, a foregone time. And – they universally all say, like, oh, we, c- we could never do the stuff these guys do today. Like, it takes so much more to be a wrestler now. Because back in the day, you didn't have to talk. Back in the day, they could just hire a guy that stood next to you that talked. And you could just be a like big, a big guy. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, a manager. Or, yeah. A mouthpiece is an, another popular term for it. Um, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to be charismatic back in the day. You could just be a big guy. Or you didn't have to be a big – you could just be quick and fly around the ring but have no personality. Or, or like – Nowadays, like, you have to have everything. You've got to be an actor who can convincingly act. And I think that's the other thing, too, is back in the 80s, God wrestlers were terrible actors. And now, and don't get me wrong, there's still some really bad ones. <laughs> if you watch it, there's still some really bad ones. But, again, on a whole, it's gotten way better. Um, you have to be an actor. You have to be an incredible athlete. You can't just be an athlete because there are plenty of athletes who come by who are great in the ring and they have no charisma, and they get buried in the mid-card, and then they eventually get fired or let go because they just don't – they have no hook, nothing that catches them. Like, it takes so much to succeed as a as a, a wrestler or sports entertainer, whatever you want to call it these days. Right. And I think if you sit down any of the guys from the 80s nowadays, they're going to go like, oh, these guys are incredible. Like, we, we couldn't do this kind of crap. You yeah. know, like, we were, we were doing what we were doing then, and the product – and that's what I'm talking about. The product has grown, and it's changed so rapidly. Um, I think it's also the youngest art form. I mean, I tr- try to think oh, about yeah. try yeah, to think yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, video. I think video games. Right. Probably pro wrestling and video games are the two youngest entertainment art forms. And I'm not going to count like VR because that's still just sure. movie making and video games. Like things that established things. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, think about it. like comic books. Kind of maybe that's sort of in the same realm yeah, where those like, have been around for a good hundred years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, th- I really think that what we know as pro wrestling nowadays, what we know as sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it is really like the youngest art form. And I think that it's still learning and it's still growing. And I think it's hitting its stride right now in such a big way. And it's really starting to understand the audience as well as the casual audience, which is why, you know, there's a reason why WrestleMania sells as many tickets as it does. Right. Um, and I actually have a, a, a opinion on that that is also kind of unpopular. And as I think wrestling has gotten too big, for, I think WrestleMania has gotten too big for wrestling. Ah, I, I'm a classic complaint. I am a fan of I. I and here's no, but not like not in like a hipstery way. Okay, I mean physically. Sure. I mean physically. I cannot imagine that WrestleMania is that great in those giant arenas when you're way back in the back. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't hear shit. You can't see. Like I just can't imagine it's as great. Like pro wrestling. Like I urge everybody at once in life to go to an independent show. Go go see pro wrestling like up close. It's way more fascinating than you probably think it is. 
it's the ring is loud the hits are loud when you can hear every little nuance of it like mm-hmm. and also again because the audience is so much a part of it in those big arenas and and even the wrestlers even performers they complain about those things where they can't hear the audience because the sound just goes up when they're in like the superdome you oh, know sure yeah, the yeah. sound just goes up they can't tell whether the audience is booing or cheering or they have no connection to it and since the audience is so much a part of it when you're in a small space or you're in a smaller arena and you just it's electric there's that literal electricity uh so i think that wrestlemania as a spectacle that specific one event has gotten too big for wrestling i think it's you know but uh, that's just my smarky <laughs> smarky complaint yeah well you know i think that that's a fair complaint right, um right. this was something that i uh alluded to in my intro is that people do feel a very strong emotional connection oh yeah to not just wrestlers not even in the in the same way that people would feel emotionally invested in say a sport franchise sure. or a character's narrative on a TV show and like not even that they, they feel invested in the entire thing yeah. like how it's being run yeah. and shown and performed like it is for me almost an exhausting level of care because <laughs> because not not just I, in the, I get it. not just in the traditional nerdy sort of way. Sure, like yeah. I, I get like people build scale models of the fucking enterprise or whatever. Like right. I, I, I get nerd obsession. Oh my god! But um, but what I mean is that like there's just it, it's it's a litany of moving parts that so many people have so many opinions on, which is crazy to me because you know you pick your soap opera like all right I'm along for this ride right you know but like. It, there's that bleeding of a reality that I know that, you know, there's that actual scripted, not scripted divide sure. that, like, is played up for that. But what you're saying with the audience is that you have to be real right? at a certain point. You can't be, uh, you know, like Daenerys Targaryen. Okay. Is Daenerys Targaryen on Game of Thrones right. only? Right. Like, she only needs to be responsible yep. for performing as Daenerys Targaryen yep. for that. This seems exhausting to me just because of like imagine if you went to see game of thrones live exactly that sounds first off awful <laughs> um exactly and, and second now off, you're getting it yeah yeah and and second off that there's all of these you know like you have cited over the course of this so many different ways that people have developed fandoms for right. per- particular wrestlers you know yeah. like if they really like the technique, or if they right. just really like the charisma, the character, or, the, yeah, yeah. Eh. The way, I mean, when I was when I was young, it was all about the style. I was always I was into, I was into like the kind of brooding, cool, dark bad guy, or you know, like that was right. So it's yeah, all about yeah, it's all about who. If you can see yourself in something too, which is kind of no different. It's, I mean, it's like you're talking about where you're like, oh, when I'm invested in uh, a sporting thing, at the end of the day. Just because that sport is, uh, you know, is uh, is real and is an actual contest that you're watching, it's still a story to you. It's still, you know, what I mean, like it, it, like when I watch, I'm a big Rangers fan. When I watch the Rangers come back in, you know, game three, only to lose it, <laughs> you know, it's right. still, regardless of whether or not they planned it or not, it's that's still the story. Right. Well, sports yeah. commentary yeah. still does that. I mean, yeah. you know, you hear Cinderella story oh, absolutely. every, you know, March absolutely. Madness. Yeah. But um, it, so it just sounds to me. Yeah, no. Like, um, to put a uh, a button on a lot of what was yeah. said about yeah. this is that essentially 
I don't know if it's Vince McMahon in particular, oh, it, but that the WWE yes. is perhaps the smartest media organization they, that has ever existed. I, I've said it for years. Vince McMahon is the the smartest entertainer in the world. I mean, he knows – and that's not, that's not to say that he doesn't make massive mistakes. Sure. And that's not to say that that you know he gets in his own way a lot too. But at the end of the day, you know, just the birth of WWE, like ref, whatever you want to call it at the time, like – you know, a very brief. I know I've talked a lot about this, but a very brief backstory. Like wrestling was very segregated; it was regional. Okay, right. The birth of television in the fifties allowed somebody in New York to watch something that happened in California and in and, and, and in the South and blah blah blah. Vince saw the writing on the wall a long time, and he did something that people hated: was he started buying up all the territories and making it one thing. And this put people out of work. This ruined people's lives. It was not a very nice thing to do to a lot of people. But he saw the writing on the wall. And when he was like, hey, this is a in-home spectacle that we could throw on Saturday mornings. Like, he saw the writing on the wall of what this could be. Like, I sincerely think that when you watch WrestleMania – you watch a modern WrestleMania with these record-breaking crowds and the spectacle. I mean, the ramp for this year's – the ramp that they walked down for this year's WrestleMania was like 200 yards long with fully LED panels. The lights – there was a – I mean, the, this it's insane. The entrances are insane. They're like superhero level. The production is madness. It's like going to – I always equate it to like – the best rock concert you'll ever see, like a Kiss concert or like mm. like Rammstein, it puts on like right. a really massive. It pales in comparison to like a WrestleMania wrestler's entrance. I mean, just the level of technical everything, right? So you think about this. I legitimately think that Vince saw this years ago. Like I don't, you know, and he'll tell you like I didn't think it would be this big. I I think he knew. Like I think he saw this. He saw what it would be long before anybody ever could. And I. For all of the shit that he's done wrong, because he has done a lot of wrong shit, he's also, you know, there's just as much good shit you'll hear about Vince McMahon as bad shit you'll hear about Vince McMahon Jr. Like, that, that's just the way it is. But, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. No, I um, mean, it's – it, and I think this is why I was so curious, just right. because, you know, there are many long-running media properties absolutely. out there. Some of them – you kind of get the appeal of um or you know it's just like yeah you like a long-running story sure um but there are others which just seem so crazy right um you know a previous episode of this one i talked about doctor who oh right uh, yeah where you know doctor who is sort of i would say almost it's not quite the opposite of this but like it's it's a very like it's a much more micro focused right uh, character study, sure, but that expands the entire universe, and uh, yeah, but and all, but also like Doctor Who has the benefit of being segmented into like new and old Doctor Who, right? Also that, whereas and like who, as a fan, it's it's easy. Like I'm also a Doctor Who fan, but I've never watched anything pre new Eccleston Doctor Who on, right? Right. And it was because when I was like, oh, what's the Doctor Who everybody watches, and they're like, oh, here, watch this. I was like. No, that's – what's this one? This is where it started now? <laughs> like, yeah. it's easier to jump into it there. Yeah, and that actually segues into what I was going to ask, which is that, um, you know, I don't think I need to ask you if you would encourage other people to right. follow follow along yeah. with the world of wrestling. But for something that um, seems to both have great – like historical moments in its own legend, right? You know, like like the the Montreal screw, screw job. job, yes. 
Um, but that also seems to really quickly jettison narrative as soon yeah. as it's done with it. Um, sometimes not all, like, um, and again, that's, that's why it's a base to base situation. There are some wrestlers who go through their entire careers and change characters a ton. And it's like the second they come out as a new character, you're just like, Oh, well, yeah. I guess he's this guy now. And then there are some characters like the undertaker who has changed. Like there was a while where undertaker dropped during the agitator. He dropped the whole like dead man, like dark grave digger kind of thing. And he became sort of like this biker cowboy guy. And I personally hated it, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, so it's not that people don't change without, um, but here's the thing is that a legendary performer's career will eventually outweigh his characters, if that makes right. sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. There are certain guys who you're just going to – who are going to have a story that is the length of their career. And then there are some guys who are only going to have a story that's the length of a character. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, then where would you suggest someone to hop into the world of wrestling? Uh, honestly, this is a question that I get a lot as far as like, well, what should I watch? And because wrestling is – as you said, is it's been going on for so long, and there are so many tentpole moments. I sincerely would suggest, if you were just like, "Hey, I want to get into this," the WWE Network. They're not paying me, but they should. Um, <laughs> it's ten bucks a month, but you get your first month for free. Mm-hmm. Okay, sign up for the WWE Network. You can download the app on your PlayStation or whatever. Like they have apps. It's like a Netflix, like any other thing. Yeah, yeah. Watch. The new, like, watch whatever pay per view is coming out this month. Do you know what I mean? Like, sit through pay per view, or, or, or better yet, watch whatever the, the NXT takeover special is. Okay, you don't have to get into the history. Mm. What I would suggest is watch something new, and if any part of that or a character in that, because again, there's characters who've been around for ages. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, who are still wrestling, or who is maybe somebody who's a commentator now, mm-hmm. or and 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 like, if any of it interests you, look them up. Look up that specific character. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can tell you matches. I can tell you to watch Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in the Cell. I can tell you to watch Bret Hart and Shawn, Mike- Shawn Michaels' Iron Man match. I can tell you to watch um, Shawn Michaels and, Bre- and The Undertaker, WrestleMania 25, which is, in my opinion, the greatest wrestling match of all time. And, yeah, you might go watch those and they'll be great. But if it's something you're legitimately like, hey, I want to start watching, I want to learn more about it, like, just dive into the new shit. Like, honestly, like, and I, people that are wrestling fans are going to be like, Jake, don't tell them to do that because it's not as good now, but they're wrong. You know what I mean? On any given day, a, a new show is going to have a little bit of everything, and it's going to kind of explain to you why wrestling is what it is. It's going to be funny. It's going to be, like, so much of wrestling is comedy. There, there's going to be a spectacle. There's going to be things that you've never seen before in your life. There's going to be people doing things that you've never imagined a human being doing putting their lives on the line. And we never really got into the whole like real and fake argument about wrestling. Right. And it's like, yeah, they try to pull punches because at the end of the day, they need to make it look as good as they can without hurting the other person. But there's only so many ways you can get suplex off of a top rope. Right. There's only so many ways that you can fall from a top rope and land on a guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, the pain that they endure is unimaginable. And keep in mind their schedule is insane. They have TV on Monday and Tuesday. They're live in house events that aren't aired Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Jeez. I mean, these men and women are working 300 plus days out of the year, maybe sometimes like 340 or 330 days out of the year, a lot of times on the road. For specifically WWE, they travel. Every week when you watch Monday Night Raw, it's in a different city, in a different arena. And they have an entire production crew that they bring with them. I mean, it's insane. The scale is absolutely incredible. And it's it's 
I guarantee it entertains. You know what I mean? Mm. And the other thing that we didn't really talk about was I mentioned it briefly was like how every little thing is part of the show. The commentators are just as important as the guys in the ring and bad commentary can ruin a match or make a match. Um, there's been plenty of times where I've been screaming at the commentators like talk about what's happening in the ring like where they're bullshitting about something that's right. uh, somebody somebody said or they're talking about what's coming up next or what happened beforehand and what's happening in the ring they could be making it better and then there are times where they do exactly that you know uh, yeah, yeah I mean as far as where to start shoot me an email <laughs> <laughs> find me on Twitter fair um, no that's but but yeah I, I mean and that's the thing too is there are very different types of wrestling fans and so. I might give you a different answer that somebody else gives you. Um, somebody right. who might be more into a specific type of wrestling might be like, oh, if you want to get into wrestling, watch this, this, and this. And I might give you three exactly different things um, just because some people might like a specific character a lot. You know, right. and some people, that kind of stuff. So the last question sure. that I'm going to ask. I feel like I didn't is... talk enough. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, no, no. The last question that I will ask is that, I guess it's always something that I think about whenever I encounter anyone who is a big fan of wrestling. Was there a time when you thought it was real? Here's the thing. I don't know. I think as a little kid, I probably assumed, like all little kids do. But children, if you're listening, close your ears. Um, I also grew up in that home that, like, my mom never told me Santa Claus was real. She was, like, as a little kid. So I feel like even if I did think it was real, at any given moment, my mom probably put the kibosh on that, you know? (laughs) Um, Also, when your brother is seven years older than you and your sister's ten years older than you, I I, I, I feel like as a kid I I must have thought at some point it was real. But it wasn't too – I mean – Assuming you did, right? It wasn't too heartbreaking to no, that no, no. If 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 anything, like, actually, you know what? I I just you I something just dawned on me. I feel like I'm in therapy now because I just had a breakthrough. <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts versus the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. I loved Jake the Snake Roberts. He was the bad guy though, but I loved him. At one point in the '80s, early '80s, he ties up. Uh, Ultimate Warrior in the ropes. Like, when I say ties up, like, he, he traps his right, arms right. in the ropes so he can't get out. He throws this cobra in the middle, a real-life cobra in the middle of the ring. And this cobra legit starts gnawing on Ultimate Warrior's bicep, like, biting his arm. I have a photo of it up in the brawlway. That I Now I'm remembering. I want to find what episode that was and what day that was. I remember, even though I loved Jake the Snake Roberts, I remember being horrified and i remember my mom being like it's just a tv show so if anything if there was a moment that was probably the moment because that was as a little kid that was horrifying yeah like watching this cobra just gnaw and and whenever he would like kind of break loose jake would jake would kind of like tap him and try to get him to relatch i mean it was like what are they doing the snake is biting but it was also like Oh shit! This is cool. <laughs> yeah. like, again, like what better way to advance a story than to have somebody have a snake bite somebody? But that was the eighties yeah, for you. And, yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now, oh, kids, shit. you're not gonna see that in modern pro wrestling. No, you'll see science fiction. You'll see people being powered by spirits of long lost dead ones, and you'll see people people burning houses down in in vignettes and in these crazy kooky. The Bray Wyatt character who I mentioned earlier who does, like, the really intense promos, he channels, like, a very, like, Cape Fear, Louisiana and Backwoods sort of character mm-hmm. where he talks about Sister Abigail and it's this sort of character, you know, a very Tom Waitsy kind of thing. And, sure. and 
and like you'll see that sort of really sci-fi horror you'll see all of these things um you probably won't see anybody get bit by a snake anymore <laughs> but who knows you know you never know what you're gonna see yeah and you know what that was their tagline for years anything can happen mm. anything can happen all right cool well Thank you, man. Appreciate this. Yeah. It's been very illuminating. Yeah, um, I feel like I need to have you on my podcast now, <laughs> um, and I'm just going to talk to you more about wrestling. No, <laughs> <laughs> no hey, look, oh, man. man. I was not expecting it to be clear and concise of uh, summarizing oh. several decades worth of Sorry. entertainment yeah. and empire. You no, know? no, no. I, I, I just mean that, like, there's a lot to discuss, right? and uh, it is... Almost a fool's errand to try to we, bring these things down to an hour. We didn't even get into the fact that I trained to be a pro wrestler when I was 18 years old. <laughs> we didn't even touch on that. To be continued. <laughs> um, all right, cool. All, all 140 pounds of me. Yeah. Um, be a bantamweight wrestler, right? <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, well, cool, man. Thank you again. And um, at Monday night. May I plug my shit on your show? Yeah, of course. Um, I have a podcast of my own right. uh, called Elaborate, uh, where I sit down, not dissimilar to this. Um, I, it's not a wrestling show, so if I've, if you're over it, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I sit down with people that I know, people that I don't know, and I just sort of kind of talk about life. I learn a little bit about them. Sometimes we discuss interpersonal things. It's very freeform. It's sometimes accidentally funny. It's always insightful. It's called Elaborate. You can check it out on the Dragon Wagon Radio Podcast Network. Right, Dragon Wagon being your new network. Yes, exactly. A network that started about we're about three months old now. Um, uh, you can see it. At dra- you can hear it. It's not. You can't see it. It's not right. a visual medium. Uh, it's a, theater of the mind. Right. Uh, yeah. Dragonwagonradio.com. Uh, also, you can find me on Twitter at Liquid Jake. Um, and I would love to hear from anybody who's listening to this about their thoughts on pro wrestling. Tell me why you hate it. Tell me why you love it. Uh, mm-hmm. I absolutely would love to get into it with anybody. And if you do want suggestions on where to start, um, if you live in L.A., open door. Come watch a pay-per-view with me. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, that is just the, 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 the warmest invitation to end, a, a, end an episode on. Um, well, yeah, I will include links to all that kind of stuff in the description. So Thanks. feel free to uh, uh, tell Jake why he is wrong <laughs> about Jake the Snake, uh, why he is wrong about everything else that he said. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to all of the great fights that we can start about this.